Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My guest today is Tiziana Fordney. Tiziana is New York Regional Manager at Dark Star Imports in New York City. And Dark Star specializes in, I was going to say Star Wars and intergalactic sci-fi movie memorabilia, but I'm not going to say that because that joke has probably been cracked a million times. Uh, You're in charge of boutique Italian wine brands. Welcome. Hi, Monty. They they usually call me the dark lady because of Dark Star. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes it happens, you know, Dark Star, Dark Lady, which I discovered that Dark Star is a title of a song, uh, but I'm not expert in music, so that's it. Okay, so Titiani, you were born in Staffolo, which is in uh, near the port of Ancona on Italy's Adriatic coast. I I born in Ancona, actually. Oh, you were born in Ancona? Okay. So why living in probably Italy's most renowned white wine region, the Vodicchio di Castelli di Ezi region, even during the Classico zone there, why did you end up in New York or how did you end up in New York? Did your family have a vineyard and you didn't want to be part of that or, or what was the story? No, no, my family is, uh, uh, is totally disconnected from uh, wines, uh, totally different trade. So I started in the wine in Ancona in 2003 with a, a wine merchants. And then I started to study wine, uh, uh, attending wine courses. I worked in Piemonte. Uh, I worked for wine producer as expert manager. I work in restaurants. And then in uh, 2014, I had a great opportunity from uh, a wine importer based in New York. And I decided to make this big change from Ancona to, which is, uh, even if it's the main city in Marche, is a still a small, it's a town properly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I made this big change to the Big Apple. You, you were quite internationalist because you're, if I remember, if I've got it correct, your dissertation at university, it wasn't on wine, <clears throat> excuse me, but your, your dissertation was on uh, the World Trade, Trade Organization and international trade. So you obviously had a very internationalist yes. sort of um, look, right? Yeah, right. Because I really, uh, since the very beginning, at the time of high school, I I love to uh, to study uh, foreign languages. So I I mean I used to speak a pretty good German, and now in this lockdown, I'm you know I'm studying back, and uh, I started to study Spanish because it's fun for an Italian. Uh, that's why, I mean, I, I always loved, you know, to have international relationship. How much of a shock was it when you actually arrived in America and, and New York in particular? Uh, I, it was like a love at the first sight. <laughs> so I, I, I wasn't really shocked. Uh, even if, uh, I don't know if it's me, because, for example, I also worked in Piemonte, in Lange, in Serra Lunga d'Alba, that, you know, how small it is Mm -hmm. and uh, i was not even shocked there i believe that uh, if you do something that you like uh, uh it doesn't 
it's not for me it's not really important what you have around you need to love what you do so your job you have a lot of responsibility uh, at dark star and you have an amazing lineup of wines just give us some idea when you go out selling or, or promoting or marketing um maybe we can even talk about some of the brands you deal with it as, as for case studies you know, how does it work? How do you do? What's a typical day? Uh, so my role primarily is based in uh, uh, having relationship with the distributor because Dark yep. Star is an importer. So as you know, importer in the United States, they can only import, import wines, but uh, if they don't have a, a distributor license they can sell only to distributor so uh i you know i have i am in charge of free markets which is a new york primarily the five neighbors and the, the westchester area which is uh, like uh, right north to new york city uh, connecticut and uh, new jersey so very different markets totally different markets and uh, um, i started with dark star last uh, june and uh, uh, the main role for me was to uh, to have to re, uh, to reinforce to improve the relationship with my brand manager in the three different distributors, and so you can also uh, have a great relationship with the sales team. Okay, so that's obviously very important to convince them that what you're importing is worth them trying to stock and then try to sell to sell to the next in the third of the uh, three-tier chain yeah yeah this is very challenging because distributors have thousands of levels uh, so it's like that you are and i you know in the hay uh, so you need really to uh, um, i usually try to focus uh, uh, on people that i believe that um, they you know they marry my portfolio and uh, uh, education is uh, is a must education is a must because i also understand the sales team they have like thousands of brands they have a lot of standard to achieve uh, they have a lot of pressure so uh I mean, my, my role is uh, supporting them. So like, okay, I have this relationship. Uh, let's go together. Let's test the wine. Or on the other way, oh, I see that you have this account. Why you don't make me an appointment and I, I go and present my portfolio? So this is really, you know, uh, the kind of relationship that now in this situation, we need to, to tune. To you know, to fix. But isn't it a case if if I'm a if I'm a distributor or I work for a distributor, I'm the sales um, person. Haven't I heard the same old story from every single yeah. importer um, in New York? And, you know, they know almost what you're going to say. You know, it's got a great label. It will work really well with this particular style of restaurant or shop or whatever. Um, how do you keep it fresh? How do you stop yourself from going crazy by repeating yourself? I mean, I. Uh- I try to be, uh, I, maybe I am, I, I mean, I, of course I am Italian. I try to be very honest with my brands, with my wine, because I, I know the competition is strong. So I, you know, I, I try to explain uh, maybe about crepes, about the producer, about the difference that you can have in, in you know, in price. That's for restaurant when you add the wine. When we used to have a wine buyer, 
it took some time, but you could get good results. For off-premise, it's a little bit more difficult because uh, uh, so far the off-premise is really focused on ratings. So big brands, uh, they are Urban still, brands. yeah, they are still the, you know, the winner, especially now. But surely there must be other um, people who have the same kind of job as you that um, are, you know, relentlessly knocking on on doors of of shops, saying, look, this this points thing can't continue forever. You know, is, have you not got another way of looking at things, or do you feel that you? No, yeah, I feel that you know, uh, you need to be. That's before COVID. You need to be con- you needed to be consistent with your accounts. Okay, today the person doesn't want to meet you, then he wants to taste some wine. Uh, I mean, you need to be present. You need to be supportive. You need to to show that you are interested in uh, about the other side. Okay, so about their clients and you know on the street in their little locality is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the, the wine shops or the wine stores, we talk, we talk about some quite small, some enormously huge. Uh, is it a big range? Uh, that's a you know, is a huge difference because with you know, with a large stores, most of the time you have like a um, a kind of corporate manager, which you know, the first the first challenge is an appointment. The first challenge is to get an appointment. Uh, then when you get an appointment, I mean, all the one manager, one buyer in the United States are professional people. They know about wine, which uh, this is something that I really love. Then you need, you know, to play your your cards. You need to uh, to understand, uh, especially for a premise, uh, usually it works uh, that you need to find if they have a gap on the shelf. Let's say that they want to replace, uh, for example, a, a Barolo or whatever. This is the key point, And this really, you need to have the help of the sales rep because uh, i mean i usually knows much better the accounts and uh, it happened to me uh, like a various time especially in a market like new jersey which is uh, like a 90 95 percent of premise uh, that i work with the right person and uh, it was like you know say okay we go there because i know that they are looking for friulano they're for a verdicchio or whatever and today we are showing verdicchio and most of the time that was very successful okay so when you talk about off-premise obviously this is people buying a bottle of wine and drinking it at home i mean you're saying that there are distant i mean are there differences um clear-cut differences in general between states or is it more um with regional areas within states where there are um, say a more rural area uh, and a more urban area. The, How does your pitch change? The, there, there? Uh, there are huge differences. Okay, so again, an example of uh, New Jersey. Uh, it doesn't matter rural or whatever, but uh, I think it's more uh, like New York and New Jersey. They are close each other, but they are totally different. So New Jersey, if you go to the shelf, you can see even like a I, I counted like a 30, 35 different Pinot Grigio. Uh-huh. And maybe you have a, a Cortese, maybe you have a Falangina, maybe you have a, a steel wine, of course, and maybe you have a, a Verdicchio. But I mean, that's sad. 
So if you go to the city, to New York City, or even Brooklyn, which is Chester, wherever, I mean, there is a, a you, you can, I mean, you have a different audience. So the people are much more open to, to learn about new wines and to offer new wines. Mm-hmm. New wines, I mean, uh, you know, less known grapes, sorry, not new wines, you know, like less known grapes, so let's say. Uh, of course, Prosecco is still, uh, you know, the, the biggest uh, uh, demand, but, you know, even Arnais in white or like a Frappato or like, um, okay, Montepulciano, you usually have two, three Montepulciano. Uh, so it's, you know, um, it's very, very different, the, the market. And uh, and they, they really want wines that have uh, ratings so they can do like a chef talker. So people, they say, oh, this wine has uh, been rated the 92, 93 or whatever. I mean, do you bring um, importers over to, uh, or people over to Italy directly so that you can, um, obviously that's expensive to do, but does that build long-term loyalty or is that just a sort of a, they give you a few extra orders for a year or two and then they order from somebody else? You mean uh, when, I, when I work with a producer? Yeah, I mean, either with a producer. I mean, in terms of, you know, getting the producer to America or, to, or getting the importer, um, the, the people that sell to Italy, um, what are the cost benefits of those two approaches? Uh, I mean, if I well understood, uh, uh, um if it is worthy for an Italian producer to work the market. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's still, it is. Uh, New York was a little bit uh, kind of overwhelmed with uh, these, what we call work waves. But mm-hmm. uh, they still, uh, I mean, people still like to meet the, the producer. Again, especially uh, a little bit rural air, they are really happy to see uh, like an Italian producer that, you know, travel flights all uh, these miles to, you know, to meet uh, uh, their customer. Uh, so, again, it's a different from uh, New-, New York City. Uh, I would say probably San Francisco, the major cities from, you know, uh, you know, a little bit smaller and rural cities. How do you see the market changing in general in America, not just in your patch? Um, for wine consumption, you mean now for the COVID? Uh, yeah. So, of course, there there is a big impact uh, because uh, on premise is, uh, I mean, the, the sales in on premise are really very low. Uh, luckily, uh, right after the COVID, they decided to authorize uh, restaurants and bars to sell. Uh, the bottle because uh, uh, in the United States there is not uh, legal. You you need to have two different licenses, which is uh, sometimes was that, on, was that sort of was that on a state by state basis or was that across? The- uh, I think it it is across the country. Most uh, I mean I mean most states. Uh, there are some states that uh, you can like buy the bottle. On the shelf, and they just charge like a uh, like a, a cork uh, a cork fee. But I mean, uh, most of the the market. Uh, I mean, the market where I work, like uh, New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey, they are you know they you you, you need a different license. So this was good because at least you know uh, 
they the restaurant could sell some of the wine they have in stock, at least. So now the uh, the big uh, percentage of sales are made of off premise. Uh, there is a, there is a a pretty uh, high increase in online sales. So the uh, in terms of uh, like a percentage, the sales are in wine are still good. But it's uh, it's uh, very different because uh, the wine that now have the major brand, the major brands. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the major brands or major grapes, because you know you order the wine by phone. There is no like a, a maybe the small stores they still do some you know suggestion, but it's more like that the people want to have the wine at at home. They want to drink wine or spirits or whatever. So I mean, still for Italy, the sparkling like prosecco is good, and the uh, and the Tuscany especially is still very good, and uh, I think also Piemonte. Now the season is going to be better. So so let's see, uh, with white wines, we hope that, you know, usually Italian wines, whites is not like the, uh, like the red wines in this market. But they, they, I mean, there was a good increase. So now like a, the small producer uh, or like a small importers like Darkstar, we need to really work on marketing, education, marketing. Yeah, but in a way, this kind of thing is that, I suppose there's an opportunity in some ways where, you know, maybe the smaller companies that offer really great service in a time of crisis can uh, Not sure. can build some loyalty yeah. into, their, into their own. I mean, I well. saw like, uh, um, I, I mainly, you know, work around my neighbor now, uh, try to avoid, you know, subway or public transport because uh, uh we try to leave the public transport for essential workers, mainly, you know, all the health worker and whatever. So uh, I see that uh, like a restaurant uh, uh, doing delivery or takeout are, uh, are kind of very creative because they, they start right away to do like a, uh, like a kind of wine, wine by the glass using a, a kind of envelope or, or like a cocktail uh, take take out cocktails, uh, they started to sell uh, together with the, uh, the food, the prepared food, they started to sell, okay, the bottle of wine, they started to sell like uh, the vegetables, uh, frozen food. So they, uh, they are creative. They are creative. Then we need to see how the cost is impacted, uh, this trade, the restaurants. This is the... Yeah, I mean, maybe there's an argument for... Yeah. Um, smaller wine boxes, which are you know, if you drop them on the floor, right. they normally also, break. Also, like you know, catering, like they made like a Mother Day's menu pair with wine. Now that I mean, there is a lot of that. I, this market is very creative and it's very fast. It's quick. Direct. They, I, I like their action are really very, very fast. Uh, there are you know big problems because uh, the first is uh, the the rent. The rent that the restaurant are pay. That's a, this is a huge problem. This is really huge problem. Also, the uh, limiting the capacity, which they, they must do in any case. I'm not. I'm not. No, it's not a critic. They must do. It will affect a lot of restaurants. How are you going to rebuild 
um, brand awareness, even for brands that had some awareness about them after the COVID? Because I think almost this COVID thing will be a reset for many people. How we, what have you got lined up in your marketing toolbox and brand building toolbox for post a uh, post so i for me one of the major is uh, keeping education and uh, uh, contact with my sales team because uh, right now uh, i mean i cannot go and uh, nobody can go and visit an account a customer so uh, i really think it's important to to keep uh, interesting the relationship with uh, with your sales team, education, mm-hmm. giving suggestion, proposing like you know kind of offer which is not promotion because this market is uh, is strict. You cannot really work on price. I mean, you can work on price, but uh, you need to price. There is the so-called price posting. So uh, and uh, all the prices uh, the the same price is for all the accounts. You cannot do anything, any specific preferences for any accounts. So you really need to work on on the relationship, on communication. That's yeah, that's the right word. Communication, communicating with your people. It's interesting about the pricing. Obviously, word gets around in New York as it does in other places. But in some ways, that's an advantage for you, and in some ways, it's a disadvantage in terms of driving more margin from other from certain clients. I mean, is that a bit frustrating for you sometimes? This kind of pricing um, lock, almost. <laughs> no, for me, not because after working for many years in the Italian markets, and you know, having uh, having all the restaurants asking for a specific discount, for me, it was a good thing. Okay, it makes life a little bit more simple. Yeah, yeah and uh, in any case, uh, I mean, apart from this, that uh, it looks like that, uh, you know, you have less work. It's something that uh, uh, in terms of competition is pretty equal. I'm saying pretty because, uh, of, of course, you can you can support, you know, in some way your accounts. So uh, let's say that uh, most of the, the accounts pay the same price for the bottle and uh, the uh, the different service so why uh, i mean the uh, the reason why you prefer a restaurant or a store uh, rather than a, another is because maybe you like better the staff you like better you know uh, what they are proposing how they are serving or this kind of uh, you know things it's an it's not a matter of uh, only a matter of price okay well that's good to hear but you know let's say you know for yeah for a wine you can do different break of prices like for one case uh, three case five cases or whatever but all the people all the counts have the access at the same terms mm-hmm. okay that means that that does make life easier as well for you in some in some cases so you don't get people yeah no that yeah for this is much easier you know like uh, get used to to fight for each uh, customer in italy for an order it's much easier yeah, okay <laughs> do you think you turn to live in italy in my ideally yes uh because i th- i think they like the italian lifestyle is better 
sector. In terms of, you know, job opportunities, uh, this country has, uh, has more resources. I'm not, you know, saying anything else. Has more resources, which I, I mean, I really, uh, I really loved. I, I, I like how they works. Uh, not to say that I, I, I love Italy. For me, Italy is, uh, is in any case, uh, I spent my, most of my time in Italy. So I, I love Italy. It's just that, uh, you know, for in terms of job opportunities, uh, it's a little bit uh, much, it's much more limited in, you know, in opportunities. Do you think it's, um, I mean, New York is seen as quite a, um, a tough place, um, you know, as a woman, you know, in, in, in Italy, um, people call it, a, you know, it's a male-dominated mm-hmm. culture. Um, do you, is, there, is there a big difference as a female between working in Italy and working in America, do you think? Uh, this is uh, I, like a... a this isn't a trick. <laughs> <laughs> I know the reply. <laughs> Which I don't I know. It's a lot of questions. Are we going to <laughs> no, let's off? say uh, I, I would say no, no. I would say that uh, American female uh, do not agree with my reply. I think is uh, it's still a male dominated world. All right, we'll leave it there. <laughs> Maybe less, yeah, but it's still still a male dominated world. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we're making slow progress. I think. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, we need to fight. <laughs> it's a challenge. You know, the Masters of Wine, I don't know. The Masters of Wine coming through, not just that as a barometer, but um, I think our industry is not so bad in general, um, the wine. No, no. Um, but I think, yeah, you're right. There was a long, a long way to go. Anyway, um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your time, but how long, it, however long it will be. Uh, in New York City, um, Tiziana, and um, whenever you come back to Italy, whether it's to um, sure. your home, I hope so. Or to Tuscany, <laughs> I'm in Tuscany at the moment. So come and say hi. It'll be nice to meet you face to face. And if not, I'll see you maybe in Verona. Okay. Yes, I miss I miss so much in Italy, and uh, so that was uh, my big missing <laughs> for the 2020. <laughs> yeah. Hope to see you, everybody, soon, Monty. Thank you for uh, asking me to talk about uh, this market. Thank you, You've been great. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.